You're listening to The Journey Podcast. Are you ready to take control of your happiness and mental health journey? Today's episode explores the art of course correcting to align with your true well-being and create a path towards optimal happiness. Hi, I'm Petra Brunbauer, and with decades of experience with sadness, pain, anxiety, and stress, I finally figured out how to leave all that behind. And this podcast shows you how to break free permanently so you can reclaim your sanity and find the self-esteem and energy to go after the life you desire. With real talk about mental health, holistic healing, and the tough journey of coming out the other end, this is The Journey Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Today is part of Mental Illness Awareness Week in the US, and this is a special bonus episode. In this episode, we explore the concept of proactively adjusting life's trajectory to achieve optimal happiness and mental well-being. Our discussion revolves around recognizing areas that may require refinement and embracing actionable steps for personal growth and joy. Throughout our conversation, our guest offers illuminating perspectives, delving into the significance of self-awareness, resilience building, and the integration of healthy habits to create a fulfilling life. Through this enlightening dialogue, we explore making positive course corrections in our lives, steering towards greater happiness and an enriched sense of purpose. Ellie Trier lives in the wonderful city of Copenhagen, Denmark, and is a marketing consultant for Quiet Revolutionaries. She specializes in introvert-friendly, sustainable marketing techniques, including her unique connect-nurture-grow method for creating abundant and engaged communities. Ellie is also a multimedia artist known for her vibrant use of color. She uses a lot of metaphors in her work, which often deals with complex emotional themes, and she is deeply inspired by the human experience. Her artwork has appeared in multiple publications, including books, magazines, and digital, and has been exhibited in group and solo shows both in the UK and Denmark. Here is my interview with Ellie Trier. Hi, Ali. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to getting to chat with you because course correcting for optimal happiness and mental health is such an amazing topic for holistic healing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this too. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And for starters, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? Of course, we could be here all day, but I'll try and be brief and keep it to the, to the most relevant points. I was just telling you before we started recording, I am in a very interesting place in my life at the moment. I have been working as a business and marketing consultant for introverted, sensitive, neurodivergence, all sorts of kind of people who feel at odds with the online marketing world. I call them the quiet revolutionaries. And I've been helping them with connection and communication and general kind of business and marketing stuff. But in my kind of heart of hearts, I have always been an artist. For years, many years ago, I was a freelance illustrator and I did a whole bunch of really exciting projects. I did children's book. I did all sorts of really, really cool stuff. And I 
ended up unfortunately kind of getting very burnt out because apparently being creative to somebody else's specifications goes completely against my preferred way of operating. So I moved into doing the marketing as a sort of palate cleanser. And over the last couple of years, I've been really feeling the pull to kind of bring my artwork to the fore again. And this year where, you know, we're talking halfway through the year, this year has been, I made a decision at the beginning of the year that this was going to be the year that I did that, that I transitioned, maybe not completely over to running art full time, because I think it's nice to have some sort of bread and butter money coming in. So you're not like forced to be creative just for the cash, but certainly to re-engineer my life so I could be more authentically myself. And I didn't feel like I was trying to squeeze this really important thing into the gaps in my day, like I wanted to really make it a priority. And that's kind of why, you know, this topic is so important to me, because that's a process that I have been through many, many times over the course of my life and my career of just realizing like, oh, this bit isn't quite working for me, or this bit could be better, or this bit is causing me stress, or I'm burning out too often, or having that sort of awareness to course correct, to say like, actually, okay, if this is not working, I don't have to do it. Like, how can I reimagine my life so I don't have to carry on doing, you know, X, Y, Z? And I think particularly for kind of neurodivergent people, that's something, it goes across the board, obviously, but we are so often, I feel like we have to do it a certain way. We have to fit in with the world. We have to work, has to look a certain way. Our relationships have to look a certain way. So yeah, so I'm really keen to kind of share my sort of experience and encourage people to like, if stuff's not working, you can break it. You can do something completely different instead. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. And you're right, you know, many people are stuck in lives that don't really work for them and that don't, I want to say, follow their joy. They do things because they have to, to make an income and because it's the way that things are expected. And so you mentioned a really, really important point of you are allowed to break those things and do something different. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. Now, you did receive an autism and ADHD diagnosis and how has that impacted you in this journey that you're taking at the moment from transitioning to something that's more of a, like you said, bread and butter security, you have this money coming in to something that's more your passion and that recharges you and fulfills you? How's that diagnosis impacted you on that journey? Oh, it's been really incredible. I mean, I was diagnosed oh, in my mid-30s which was just before I set up the marketing business that I'm running now. It was actually the kind of the catalyst for me closing down my illustration practice. And I took a few months off to kind of deal with this new information, sort of assimilate the new diagnosis and to kind of figure out who I was now with this kind of new label on me. It's sort of a revelatory thing when it happens. It's kind of, it changes nothing, but also it changes everything. You know, it's a lens through which everything suddenly starts making sense. And for me, it really set me free to just be like, okay, this is actually real. Like these limitations that I have, these struggles that I have, these ways of being that seem so kind of odd and out of step with the world. This is legitimate. Like this is my brain actually works differently. And it allowed me to let myself off the hook and stop trying to contort myself to fit into somebody else's expectations, or even my own expectations of what I thought other people wanted me to be. And it let me 
start this new business and run it in a way that was completely, and I hesitate to use the word authentic because it's one of those that sort of become meaningless, but it allowed me to be completely myself, like authentically who I was. And I was able to be very upfront with myself initially to say, okay, this is how I want to do things. This is going to be the way to do things that makes me feel good and safe and is sustainable even if that kind of went against the grain a little bit. And then gradually, as I kind of built more confidence and got more comfortable with the diagnosis, I started talking more people about it. I realized that it was actually an incredible sales proposition for my business. Like I started talking about this idea of kind of breaking stuff and building your own business in a way that suits you and using myself as kind of a primary example. And it really liberated me even further to start kind of playing around. And it brought this sense of lightheartedness and playfulness to my life, where I was able to, not all the time, but most of the time, rise above that kind of, oh, I really should be doing X, Y, Z. And it allowed me to go, okay, well, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? What feels light? And how can I make that work instead, you know? It's not a case of just like, oh, like I'm not going to do things in the most established way. So therefore, I'm not going to do anything at all. It's really about having the courage and the sense of adventure to go, okay, well, what is going to get me the same result, but is also really a much more pleasant journey to get there. Yeah. Wow. I love your passion about the subject. (laughs) I can tell this is so close to your heart. I just love that. And You know, I've spoken with many people before who have neurodivergent traits or who also have an ADHD or autism diagnosis. And many of them have a lot of anxiety and fear around starting a business because they feel like they already have these additional challenges that they're dealing with. And that just adds to this anxiety of having a business or doing what they really want to do. Do you have any advice or anything that you can share for people who are maybe in that place and they're wanting to do something different, but they're a little bit scared of taking that step? Oh, well, to be completely honest, it's not for everybody. It's not for the faint hearted. It will bring up all of your issues, all of the stuff that you thought you had successfully kind of brushed under the rug and hidden away. It brings it right up to the forefront, like any kind of money issues you have, people pleasing tendencies, any kind of anxiety (laughs) disorders or any kind of rejection sensitivity, anything like that. You're forced to deal with it. It really is a sort of trial by fire. And it is not the easiest path. Like you don't have the luxury of just kind of coasting through your day and collecting your paycheck, you know, no matter what, every month. But for me, it was the thing that allowed me to live on my own terms. I've been self-employed for the majority of my adult life. I've had a few kind of forays into workplaces. But most of the time I have been self-employed. And the reason for that for me is that I can then have complete control over my environment, over my schedule, over what's on my to-do list, over whether or not I am capable of doing, you know, any task or activity on any given day. And I have nobody to answer to but myself. And that for me was sort of more important than financial security. (laughs) You know, I am incredibly fortunate that I have people around me that I could fall back on if necessary. You know, I have family around me. I have really good friends around me. I have a really amazing support network. You know, I don't want to negate the privilege that's inherent in that. Like, I am safe. I am supported. 
but having that kind of the freedom to maneuver in a way that was safe and sustainable for me and meant that my needs were getting met has meant that I can function at a much higher level than if I was going to a job and, you know, sitting in an office under fluorescent lights and having to be at a certain place at a certain time every day, no matter how I was feeling and all of the stuff that you have to deal with when you have a job that sort of eats away at your energy, at your bandwidth and means that, yeah, it is tough. So there are sacrifices that you have to make and it's not an easy road. And I think if you're prepared for that and you want to do it anyway, then that tenacity is the thing that will see you through. I mentioned before, having this kind of sense of adventure and this sense of playfulness and this, you know, the excitement of the experiment and like, oh, what happens if I do this? Like, what happens if I just like take this tiny baby step in the direction of what I want? And then seeing kind of what momentum and magic comes from that. Yeah, I love this very realistic look at that. And thank you for being honest about what that takes and what your experiences are so that listeners can really get a sense of if they take some steps into that direction, you know, how they can best help themselves and support themselves in that journey. So yeah, thank you for that. Now, you also have some rituals and some routines to help you kind of reduce the stress of this adventure. And as you put it, keep on top of your neurodivergence. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> do you want to share maybe some of those rituals and routines that you have with our listeners so, so they can get a sense of how they could take those first few steps and structure their routine maybe throughout the day? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think certainly there are some things that have really, really helped. And most of the time, I find what it boils down to is having self-compassion and self-trust. Like the thing that I struggle with a lot is sort of executive functioning. So just like the basic building blocks of a day, like getting up and finding clothes and wearing clothes and, you know, keeping myself clean and fed and well-rested and all of those kinds of things. And that's kind of before I even get to like my to-do list for work. So I have found that the most kind of valuable thing is to have sort of elastic sided containers for the things that kind of need to happen. So, for example, my morning routine, an ideal day has like a list of sort of 10 to 12 things that I would like to have done, you know, having a shower, having a healthy breakfast, going outside for a little bit, maybe going for a walk, all of these things. But I am happy if... I get up at the same time every day and I manage to have my breakfast. Like those are the two things that are non-negotiable. And the container of my morning routine has this kind of expanding and contracting organicness to it, which means that I don't have to beat myself up if I don't manage to hit all those things. Like I know that that container will still be there for me tomorrow. And as long as I wake up at the right time, it will still support me. And I do the same with my to-do list at work. You know, I don't have kind of the productivity hacks like time blocking or having your three most important things every day. They never worked for me. But what does work for me is having a very loose list of the things that need to happen this week. It would be nice if they happened this week. And then I take things day by day and allow my dopamine levels and my energy levels and my mood to dictate what happens on what particular day. And if all the important stuff always gets done eventually and anything else, if it's been on the to-do list for like 
more than a couple of months, it's probably not the right time for it to happen anyway. But again, like self-compassion is the secret to the universe. Like finding ways of operating that are sustainable for you and remembering that we are not machines. We are soft, organic creatures who work in cycles. You know, we have the obvious cycles of the seasons of the year. We have, you know, those of us who have periods have that kind of menstrual cycle. We have the moon that goes through a cycle, you know, every month. We have, you know, all sorts of natural rhythms and cycles that we can stop and observe whenever we want to and realize that it's okay if we're not on our A game every single day throughout the year, no matter what. We're designed to ebb and flow with our energy. You know, it's completely natural. And if you relax into that cycle, everything suddenly gets an awful lot easier. And you're so much kinder to yourself as well. Those are the sorts of things like those kind of the ritual of noticing and the ritual of being compassionate with myself and trusting that if I'm in an ebb, a flow will follow. Like those sorts of things are really important to my kind of ability to function. Yeah, that's beautifully put. And I think if you listen to yourself, like you have just explained, you do kind of preempt these really stressful periods of burnout that starts to happen when we don't listen to ourselves. So very, very important point that you're making there. Mm. And I'm curious, do you work and create from your home? Yes. Okay. So how do you find that balance of having your work in your living space? Does that become difficult to kind of separate the two? Do you sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, I need to go do that and I can because my work is right there? (laughs) Do you find it hard to keep that balance or does that work for you really well? I used to. When I first kind of started being self-employed many years ago, I found it really difficult. I would sit at my desk from like nine to five every day and I would find myself sort of skiving off like I was in an office and just kind of pretending to work. And it took several years to kind of realize that like, when I want to work, I want to work and that it's nourishing and it feels good. And like, I know, I trust that I'm not going to like push myself too hard. And when I don't want to work, I just don't work. I'm incredibly fortunate. I have, we're on video at the moment, so you can see my studio behind me. I have my office here and then my art studio as well, which is just, I'm so grateful to have that. But it means that I do have the opportunity to kind of close the door on it all at the end of the day. But I also, if I have a thought, I can just nip in here and like scribble myself a note or, you know, add a brush stroke to a painting and then go kind of go back off and do whatever I was doing before. So for me, it works really, really well. I'm very good at sort of compartmentalizing. And also kind of my work that I do is just an extension of myself. You know, I've engineered everything very carefully to make sure that I'm not, you know, running at capacity. I'm not overwhelmed. Everything is very calm and peaceful. So if I'm excited about something, I'm able to just kind of lean in and trust that I won't end up in a, you know, a burnt out mess again. (laughs) Yeah, I know that certainly during COVID, some people found that kind of lack of boundary between work and living very, very hard to deal with. So I'm glad that that works for you and that you have found a way to, like you said, make that an extension of yourself. And maybe that's part of the secret if people really are wanting to choose a different path to choose what really aligns with them and what is an extension and then do that Mm -hmm. because that will work much better and will keep you out of that burnout zone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And practice, you know, it's all about having, I operate under what I call company policy. So my business 
has rules that I don't break. That's just the way this particular business that I'm running right now operates. And it's just me and I made the rules, but it comes under company policy. And that means we don't work at weekends. We don't work in the evenings. We don't check emails in the middle of the night. Like we're not available to people on, you know, only on a certain schedule. And that's just company policy, which sort of externalizes it from Ellie, the emotional individual who feels bad about not replying to emails straight away and puts it into the realm of, Ellie Trier Communities or Eleanor Trier Studio and puts it kind of in, that's the company's business and I'm not going to break the rules there. Yeah, it's good to set boundaries. I think also for mental health and our well-being, it's good to have boundaries on how we work and how we live and make sure that those boundaries really serve us the best and make us feel the best. So Yeah. yeah, great points. I love that. Now, you also work with people in various capacities. So do you want to maybe go over some of your programs or services that you offer so that listeners can get a feel of how they could connect with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So like I said, I'm in the middle of this kind of glorious transition at the moment. So the best thing for people to do if they're interested is come to my Elytria Communities website, which is where I do my marketing and my business consulting, and to get on my Sunday letter list. And that's where you can keep updated with sort of everything I'm doing across kind of my art practice and a couple of other exciting projects I've got going on as well. And the way I work with people in that capacity is by helping them to connect with and communicate with their sort of ideal people. So their kindred spirits, basically, because for the people like the type of people that I work with, working with somebody who they have a kinship with is far less draining and exhausting than just working with kind of everybody who walks in off the street. So I do this with a framework that I've developed over the years called Connect, Nurture, Grow. And I have a program which covers each one of those sections and they all kind of feed into each other. So I have on the Connect level, there's a program called Love is Greater Than Numbers, which is all about developing one-to-one relationships and finding and connecting with your right people on an individual basis. On the nurture side, we have Uncommon Email, which is all about nurturing relationships with email marketing. And then on the grow side, I have a program which talks you through how to do an online community project, which is a kind of a framework that I've developed, which is a gathering of like-minded people on the internet. A bit like a summit, but quieter and longer and better and calmer, more peaceful. And I teach people kind of how to go through these processes. And the programs are open all year round, but we have live versions occasionally. Anyone who signs up can join in with any one of the live versions. We have a monthly support call that covers, you know, all of my students, which is the best group on the internet. Like, I don't want to blow my own horn, but my people are just amazing. It's my favorite thing to do is have that call. So yeah, so it's very important to me that people have kind of lifetime access, lifetime support, they get taken care of. My programs are a lot about unlearning a lot of kind of traditional marketing techniques. So they're often like people need to come back to them over and over again to really kind of get that information to sink in and implement it. So we support them through that whole process. Yeah. And then also my artwork is also available. I talk a lot about this kind of stuff that we're talking about through kind of visual metaphor and talk about kind of the experience of neurodivergence and what it's like to be a human in all its kind of awfulness and wonderfulness and from the sublime to the ridiculous you know so I'm also doing that and if you want to come and find me on Instagram that's kind of where I'm I'm most active on social media there as well 
Oh, like Amazing. I said, when you're in transition, there's a lot of links to share. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it sounds like such a wonderful, nurturing and encouraging and supportive space that you're building in your group and in your programs. So yeah, it sounds wonderful, the work that you're putting in and It reflects, like you said, in your people who are amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. And we will be linking to all of Ellie's offerings in the show notes as well. So be sure to check there for, we will put all the links <laughs> there <laughs> to, to all of your things <laughs> in the show notes. So be sure to check there on how you can connect with her and work with her. If you feel this episode aligned with you and you want to know more and you want to get to know Ellie some more, then be sure to check in the notes on how you can contact her. Well, this has been another incredible episode, and I really hope our listeners have enjoyed this journey into course correcting for optimal happiness and mental health as much as I have. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today, Ellie. I really had a fantastic time. So thank you so <laughs> thank much you for so coming much for on. Having me. <laughs> yeah, it was my pleasure. I hope we get to do this again and, and maybe talk some more about your artwork too and, and how that's coming along and how the transition is working. So Yeah, I would love to know more about that as well. I'd love to. Thank you so much, Ellie, and take care. You too. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen in. If you enjoy the Journey podcast, please support us by subscribing, sharing on social media, and leaving us a review. We appreciate you. And you can find more of The Journey on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and our website, thejourney.com. Sending you love and courage and see you next time.